1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive, progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Welcome into the Oddson Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on this Thursday preview edition. Or maybe it's a Friday, maybe it's a Saturday morning when you're listening to this podcast previewing. Uh, Number 10, Oregon. Number 19, Colorado. Both teams undefeated. Uh, 12-36 is the official kickoff time for this game. On ABC, Joe Tessitore, Jesse Palmer in the booth. Katie George on the sideline. Uh, It's been a while since we've had a Joe Tessitore called game. Uh, It's going to be kind of cool to to hear his voice calling a football game. Well, we'll have to catch it on a record, but – those who can't get to this game, it's sold out, by the way, uh, stripe out. I'm excited to see if that actually happens. I don't have a lot of confidence in that happening, um, but they're going to try. Uh, this, is a, this is a good game, uh, an exciting game, a, a, a fun matchup, a top 25 matchup, the first of the season for the Ducks, and we're going to run through it all here. Uh, we're going to start first, Eric Injuries. Um, give us just a quick snapshot of what we've learned this week. Um, from an Oregon perspective we obviously know colorado's travis hunters out i don't know who else from that side of the field will be out of that game um also mccaskill will be back uh for for colorado they're running back but other than that we don't know much for for the buffs but what do we know about oregon and, and just where things stand from them going into this game
0: not a lot is different from what especially from what we said on tuesday if you caught that show um and what we said there was that Nishad Strather was in cleats, which I believe was the first time I'd seen him in cleats in fall, um, at least since the injury. And Justin Jacobs was also in cleats. Um, on Wednesday, and this was maybe the more encouraging element, was Nishad did take part in a full contact rep, which, hey, good to see. Don't think it means necessarily much of anything. And even if he is available, like, are we are we expecting he's going to displace Marcus Harper from the starting lineup? I'm not ready to say that. Um, I don't, Marcus has had ups and downs, but I don't think it's time to pull the plug there. And I'll also, add, I don't think they're, I would be surprised if they pulled the plug after he was like the Oregon's uh, representative on the team's coaches show last night, which by the way, if you want to go watch, he was a, he's a crack up, very funny young man. So um, that's kind of the injury element. I, I think maybe we see Justin play, maybe, maybe Nashad's cleared, but the role that either one is available to make, I, I don't really know what it'll be. And it's, and it's, and it's frankly kind of hard to know. Um Given how limited the information we're getting from Dan, um,
2: let's go into just kind of now where things are at from our interest uh, in this game, Jared. Like, we'll start here with you. Um, what what is that? What is something you're just excited to see play out in this football game? There's a lot of angles. There's a lot of storylines with this one that we could go a whole bunch of different directions.
3: <clears throat> yeah, we we sure could. I think overall, just, you know, excited to see what Colorado looks like on the field compared to Oregon. Um, there's just the the, the talent dis- disparity between these two teams could be legit. It could not be legit. Uh, you know, the line is still like minus 21 in Oregon's favor, but, you know, Colorado has far exceeded all expectations so far this season through three games. I mean, the over under heading into the year was three and a half games. So, they just need one more win to hit the over. So if anybody bet that, good on them. Um, I'm not sure if it'll come against Oregon. You, we will get to our predictions later in this podcast, so then you'll definitely know what I think about the game. But I think I'm just excited to see uh, a Dion led football team in person um, with the atmosphere, with the uh, the hype that has surrounded this game. I, I, I'm just excited to, to go in there and see what it looks like. Um, more than basically anything else probably more than like what the game play out looks like I think it'll just be a a really fun college football moment and regardless of how the game ends it's always hard to beat that in terms of college football and in terms of being a reporter and going to a game um just the like the the pure electricity a, a college football game can provide wins out like uh when Eric and I went to Salt Lake City and 2021, not a great day for an Oregon Duck, but holy cow, man, what an experience. Like uh, like Those types of days, those types of games are always more fun than anything else, and I expect that um, exactly to be what it is on Saturday. So I'm excited just to go out and be able to cover a game of this magnitude, two top 20 teams, national television, ABC, Joe Testor on the call, like you guys are talking about. I'm just excited for the fun of college football more than anything else.
0: I think it's gonna be an electric atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, I or, or this game is sold out. I thought Oregon fans, frankly, against Hawaii, even though that wasn't a sellout, I think they were what five or six thousand short. It was Dude, juice. The students weren't back. I thought it was great. I thought I yeah. thought there was a lot mm-hmm. of I thought that was a good environment for a non-conference game against an opponent that's not very competitive. Um, I think this weekend's gonna be awesome. I'm I'm, I'm with you, Jared. I'm really excited for for that component of it. And also like historically Colorado just hasn't traveled, at least not to Austin like it's been hundreds of fans. I'd be curious to see right. if they fill their allotment. If there's more than that, what the presence is from the buffs there, that's going to be kind of fun to see too.
3: Uh, do you guys, I the, I've, go I've got a question for both of you. Do you think with, with how important Colorado is to college football at this present moment, do you think the Otts stadium attendance record gets broken and B, do you know what it is? It's, it's against, like, it's, it's against
0: Arizona State from, I think, 2012. Is that seven? 11. 11. Eleven. Yeah. Against ASU
2: I in 2011?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I i remember i remember it breaking. I think it's just over 60. I don't remember the exact yep. number. It's literally
3: it. just over. It's 60,055 people. Oregon, in this past week, has sent out an email for standing room only tickets, which. I don't remember happening in the last couple of years. Like as a student, I don't ever remember getting that email. So it goes back to 2016 as a reporter. I don't remember getting that email. This like that was an interesting one. Also, they're $144. So yeah, I was going
2: to ask you. Did you know how much they cost? (laughs) Um,
3: Yeah, standing only. I don't think so. Uh, So do you think it's going to happen?
2: Not at that price, not at $144. Eric and I are obviously older than you, so we I I at least remember standing room only tickets being sold frequently yeah. at at Autzen when I was in middle school, high school, early age of college. But those tickets were always like forty bucks. They weren't. Right, they were the
1: cheap seats. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. They weren't one hundred and forty four dollars to get in to stand. <laughs> like you know, you don't have an option to sit down. Um, I'm surprised the 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 sellout crowd came in 2011 because I would have sworn it was, if you told me ASU, it would have been in 2007 when they played ASU at night and they were like a top five team. And I think ASU was a top 10 team. That's the game that Dennis Dixon got hurt um, originally. Or I would have said in 2000 and 10 i believe or 11 when they played usc and lebron james was mm-hmm. in the stands and do you remember when they built those like contraption you know buildings that stood above uh the actual stands that were built yeah. onto the ramps like they they built those things to, to add more people that's those are the two games i would have said i'm i even googled it i asu was 18th in the country they weird I'm, i'm very surprised that this is the game that broke the record super strange to your question jared i'm gonna
0: say no but i'm not gonna be like completely stunned if it isn't really close or does get maybe it does happen just because the dion factor and if you're a fan of college football, like I think this game is gonna have bring fans that aren't Oregon and Colorado fans out in ways that Oregon hasn't hasn't traditionally happened. I think there's gonna be people who wanna right. see Dion's show on the road at Oregon against the best of competition that they've had this year and just see it in person. Because I think that he's reaching and you see it in the in the television figures, audiences that just, just historically haven't been Colorado fans, haven't been Oregon fans maybe that gets you closer to that but I'll still say no. I bet it I bet you it's I bet you it's a pretty darn good number though. I bet you we're going to be talking about it on Saturday's podcast and maybe we are talking about a new record.
3: Um, I'm, I'm going to answer my own question here. I think it's a yes. I think they're going to break it. I think um, everything has everything's going right for it. It's a 12:30 kickoff. So anybody from Portland, which is going to be a lot more people than Eugene can get down here in a reasonably timely manner, and also get home in a reasonably timely manner and probably catch the whatever Pac-12 After Dark game is playing on Saturday. Plus, all the hype and everything else that we've gone through basically all week. Uh, I Students are back. It's going to be a great atmosphere. I I think they do it. Plus, it's not unbelievably unattainable. It's not like they yeah, there's some where they – like to Matt's point, like where they randomly built stands one day, and it's like sixty-four thousand, and they would have to do that again, even though we haven't seen any construction going on at Otsa Stadium. So, I think
2: it's achievable, and I think it gets done. Um, I wanted to bring this up. Do we do we see any celebrities on the sideline? Absolutely. Like, I, I I think the obvious ones are going to be Portland Trailblazer players that you know could come quickly down for for the trip. Like this Damian oh. Lillard? make make an appearance. Um do any of the other team players on that team come down? I don't know what celebrities live in the state of Oregon. Um I'm sure we could Google that, but do we see anyone fly up? <laughs> yeah. Do, do we see anyone fly in? And are they yeah, on 100%. and they're gonna be, I think more likely they're gonna be on Colorado side than Oregon's side.
0: Oh that'll be true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm, that's
0: I maybe think so. I I, well, we we know one celebrity who's always there, and that's Phil Knight, who will be up in the Oregon's box. But like in terms of people,
3: well, I say maybe only because I wonder what their affiliation is with. Is it with Dion, who's a Nike sponsored athlete, or is it with Nike, who sponsors literally everybody going into this game? So it's true. Maybe we'll have some some splits and half and halves. I expect the celebrity pool to be deep. I expect it to be deep because there's. There's no basketball going on, so NBA players are free to come. There's okay. Uh, there's baseball going on, but there's not any, I like baseball alumni are going to show up here at Oregon. So no, no offense, baseball. I, Saturday in the NFL, maybe a Seahawk or two, maybe somebody who's on the West Coast, maybe Marcus Mariota. Um, like I, I think the options are pretty limitless here, and I think
2: I think the stars will show up. I i'm changing my prediction i said no i'm saying yes because like to the, to what? i'm the sellout. The sellout? To, yes yes because okay. i'm looking at i'm looking at uh the stadium records do you know how close they came last season against ucla uh
0: no, like 50, I, I think it was 59 something 59.962 yeah
2: they they were yeah, less so than 100. Like 100 they were less than 100 away and a hundred more people are going to come to this game because of Dion and because of Jim Kelly. Yeah. Like, you know. so I'm with Jared now. Yes.
0: Uh, all right. that, will, we, that will fall. I mean, I was like basically like straddling the fence. Why don't I just tip it over and jump and join you guys? And we'll just all have fun and say it's going to be a stadium record. And then if we're all wrong, we can all be wrong together on Saturday. How's that?
2: Sure. Which, which would also amazing. be a state of Oregon record for the largest crowd of people at a sporting event.
0: Yeah, doesn't surprise me. I'm not sure what else it would be.
3: It
0: was a uh, car show. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Something no, really strange. Legit. No, it was a car show. <laughs> what? I looked this up last night. Yeah, no, it was like in uh, 1993. I think it was like 63 or 64,000 people. Oh, so it actually isn't correct car show. It,
0: it, is, it is some car show. It would okay, need.
3: cool. Oregon would need to um, have the Autzen Stadium renovation real fast. <laughs> so, uh, shout out to that 1993 car show. I'll go look it up right now and get you know, some, yeah, some get us some details. Stuff here. Yeah, get
0: some details. I'm really curious on that. I don't that was I was 4 when that happened, so I would have no recollection and more of an F1 guy now, but certainly at the not not enough to know about <laughs> his car shows in the 90s. Um
2: yeah. I I think for me real quick just to wrap this question up, I I'm just curious to see just how good Colorado is. Like I want this to be a good game. Um, my score prediction is going to suggest otherwise, but I, I I'm curious to see how good Colorado is. Um, and it goes back to you know may, are they are they for real? I, I think we all have our our questions around that. They're certainly improved. That's undoubtedly true. But just how much have they improved? And if if this is close, what does that say about Oregon? Is that a sign that maybe Oregon isn't as good, or is it a sign that Colorado is just a lot better than what we have given them credit for, and they've just played, you know, they've played who they've played on their schedule. You can't control that, and, you know, they dominated two of those teams, and they didn't play a, a clean game. Deion Sanders said that himself. They didn't play clean against Colorado State, and it was close. They had to come back and win. Uh, so I, I think I'm just really curious to see what a team that had, like, 70 new players on its roster looks like from year one to year two and just how good they truly are um there's for just me, a lot of fascination yeah
0: for me for me it's the quarterbacks um you know i made mm-hmm. the case preseason if if like bo's case for a heisman and i don't even want to get into the conversation for heisman because we're so far out but the case was like he plays michael penix he plays caleb williams yeah. he'd play one of those in a conference championship game well shador has become one of those guys. And I think this is that kind of an opportunity for both Bo and Shador to go against one another and to maybe get a leg up on the other depending upon how they perform. So uh, I'm fascinated by Shador. I mean, I, I think he's been awesome. He's certainly uh, exceeded all expectations I had for him making that move up from FCS. And and as Adam said, by the way, great great show with him. I'm sure hopefully those who are listening to this also checked out that podcast. But as he kind of said, this isn't a traditional FCS move. This is a guy who had offers from you know that was being recruited by SEC schools. That was being recruited by some of the best in the country, but chose to go play for his dad at Jackson State. Like he could have been easily the quarterback at shoot, I don't know, name a school, you know, in, in the SEC, South Carolina, where his brother played, or something, perhaps. But he chose to make a, a different choice because of his of family. So um, I, I shouldn't be too surprised. But the dude looks for real, and I'm really excited to see him in person.
3: I have um, I have the answer if you guys yep. are yes. ready for it. Uh, so Oregon versus Arizona State is the second highest attended sports event in Oregon history. at sixty zero five five. Number one, uh the Cart Portland two hundred champ car event in nineteen ninety-three. Like I said, sixty-three thousand flat. That's the number what?
0: one. What was the uh what's the venue? Where were they actually racing that at? I'm curious what, what venue could hold that many in, in Oregon. I'm assuming Boy, that's outside. I didn't look okay. that up. Just, okay. Just was, I'm up just curious how
3: <laughs> Because I, I don't know the details, I said, "There you go. Uh, I can look that up. I can give you, I, no, give it's you the okay. whole venue."
0: Maybe, maybe that's a uh, post pod conversation. I was just curious, like what venue in the state was big enough to have that many people attend. So that's that's interesting. That's
2: it's got to uh, be it's got to be like at a Portland a Portland Raceway.
3: Uh, no. Yeah,
1: I and it's not it was, really like
3: stands. I think it was the Portland International Raceway. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. All right, okay, so deal. Well, all right. there you go. Um hey, all the wanna, answers are back. I want to <laughs> quickly talk football. Uh yes. I I listened to to Josh Pate yesterday who gave his his prediction on um this Oregon versus Colorado game. And what what he said was was exactly what I was thinking going into this game is that We've talked a lot about Oregon and their um, hope for a playoff, their hope for a conference championship, Bo Nix's hope for a Heisman, all the stuff that happened, preseason with the billboards, all that stuff. There is no, at least not yet, there's no better opportunity for Oregon to go and prove themselves right now than against Colorado. So, Bo Nix, if you want to be a real Heisman contender, go do it in front of 11 million people. Because this is the only time Oregon's going to get this many people watching their game. Maybe against USC down the line. Depends on when it is during the day. This weekend, it's 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. The whole world revolves around Eastern Standard Time. That's just what happens. And everybody on the East Coast is going to be able to watch this game. And it's Dion. And it's Colorado. And it's on ABC. So everybody who has a television or has some cable package or YouTube TV can watch this game. And if you're Oregon... Nobody thinks anybody can beat Colorado. Like They're like the team of destiny. I know that they're a 21-point favorite, but the argument is Colorado was a 23-point underdog against TCU. Right. Now they're 21 points. Who says they can't do it again? They've already done it once. Trust in Deion Sanders. And they just might. Who knows? This is why you play the games. This is what I love to say. This is why you play the games. Maybe Oregon craps the bed and Colorado takes the first victory of the season against a Pac-12 opponent. But if you're Oregon, what better stage to go out there and prove your worth than doing this and beating Colorado, maybe beating them soundly in front of millions and millions and millions of people? So, boom! I think that's this is this is the moment where you know if you're if you're Oregon, you cannot let this go to waste.
2: And if you're Colorado, Jared, you want to prove yourself. Same thing. Jared brought up the uh, TV ratings, and I wanted to ask you guys that when he brought up the uh, attendance record. We mm-hmm. found this out earlier. Uh highest rated TV game for Oregon during the regular season is 7.7 million people watching. Or 7 Yeah, 7.7 million people watching a football game. Uh that was Oregon LSU season opener Labor Day weekend in Texas. A 8:06 p.m. kickoff. Uh the second highest is the game we were at 2 years ago at, at the Big House or uh, at the Shoe. Um million Oregon upsetting Ohio state on big noon Saturday. Colorado has 25 million. I think that's what, um, Adam said on the podcast yesterday over three weeks of football, um, they've they've hit 9 million twice Yeah, last Mm -hmm. week. Most impressively at like two o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning. Do they hit, is this another record that falls? Does Oregon get to 9 million?
0: You have to argue. Like I don't even know what the argument against it would
2: be. Like, I, I Ohio State or not Ohio State. Uh, I, I, I know Alabama, and Ole, Miss. Ole Miss. Yeah, Alabama, Ole Miss play That's, at the same time. Sure. And then UCLA and Utah play at the same time. So a lot of people in the LA market Ooh. are going to be presumably tuned in to that game. Yeah, um, but
0: I, I I get my point earlier. I I, I think yeah, no, undoubtedly. I mean, I would be really surprised if it didn't. Um, just because, again, I think you're reaching audiences that aren't normally interested in in yes. Oregon or Colorado football. So, like, I'm going to actually get – this would be interesting. I bet you L.A. will – I'm um, more people in L.A. will probably watch Utah, UCLA. But I bet you it won't be by as much as people think because I think there's a, a real fascination with Deion Sanders and there's a real appreciation for Oregon as a brand going into this game. And, frankly, if you're – a Dion fan and you live in LA who do you want to beat more than Oregon like that's the team yeah. that you want to see go down for mm-hmm. various reasons even if your allegiance is split between UCLA USC and Colorado in this instance so um yeah I I I think even with some of the competition there Bama is a tough one but um I I think I think it's gonna I think there'll be more than 8 million people who watch this football game is my is my guess. I agree I
2: agree
3: yeah I, I'm not sure if it will get to nine Just because of the other games going on but breaking oregon's previous record um with the lsu season opener yeah i don't think there's any doubt like the la market i know that it's tough that ucla and utah are going but la markets like 20 something million televisions like even if they get a quarter of the of the network that or the net or the televisions of los angeles in that area that's still like six or seven million people yeah and they won't get a quarter because that's an astronomical number right but you're still going to get, like, USC fans aren't going to be watching the UCLA game unless it's, yeah. like, just purely out of hate. But they're probably going to hate. <laughs> they hate Oregon gonna more. Hate, <laughs> right. They're going to hate watch Oregon and hope that they lose to Colorado. So you're going to get a couple million there. You're going to get a couple million all, all over the country. But if this were if this were the the 7 o'clock East, uh, Pacific Standard kick, I don't even want to know what the numbers would be. It would be yeah. ab- astronomical. I think it would be, like, 12, 15 million.
0: Oof. Oof. yeah, I I don't even think you're wrong.
3: <laughs> All right, you got, Colorado State got nine million, so yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, and I, I agree with Jared. we could we could see crazy numbers if it was a standalone game. but let's let's go now to some discussion on the field. Um, <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> let's, do uh, let's do some keys, maybe something that we're worried about for this one. then we'll take a break and we'll get into our 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 predictions here. Um I'm just I I think the key a key for me is obviously getting to Sanders. Uh his dropback, I don't know if you guys saw this or not on PFF, um he's been pressured on 33% of the dropbacks that he has had this season. Um and when he's not pressured, he's completing like 85% of his passes and that number dips down to which I still think is a pretty impressive percentage but 58%. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big dip um in his production, almost 20%. Uh Bo Nix, from a comparable standpoint, has only been pressured eight percent of the time and uh in his dropbacks this season. And he is completing 65% of his passes when he has been pressured. That's a very small sample size. Right. But this feels very this feels very easy to say, but the key is just that you got to get the shooter Sanders and you, you got to finish the play too, because as Dan said, his eyes and his vision is escapability is really, really good. And I think that's really the only way that this Colorado team and their passing attack is going to get some of these big plays ripped off against Oregon is if the secondary breaks down because your Sanders scrambles out away from pressure. And that makes the defense kind of react and come to him. If, if, they can keep the pocket contained and they can get pressure to him and make him throw it quickly to a dump off pass. You know, he'll still complete it, but uh, a potential for a 12 or a 13 yard gain turns into a three or a four yard game. And, you know, basically make Colorado go the length of the field every single time that they get the football. I think if they do that, Oregon eventually will make the plays needed and they'll get some turnovers. They'll get some stops. They'll get the ball. But if, If they can't contain the pocket, they can't get to the quarterback and and actually finish the play and get him down, I I think we're going to see Shredor Sanders create some crazy plays. He's going to do this. He's going to rip off some big plays. Uh, And that's where we're going to see the broken coverage. Uh, That's where we're going to see a a ball thrown up in the air and it's one-on-one, and Jimmy Horn Jr. is going to make a play and make a catch, and it's a 44-yard gain on third and 19 or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, Colorado's at midfield and scoring position. You know, you can't have those type of plays. Um, and if it happens frequently, we're gonna get a shootout. And if it doesn't happen, I, I don't I don't think Colorado can, can hang with Oregon's horses. That's a good place to start, Matt.
0: That's a good place to start. Because I, I I really truly think this game comes down to it, can Shador do it? Like I don't see an angle mm-hmm. aside from just Oregon completely imploding up like I'm trying to think of the last time. Against a you know a non Georgia opponent where it was just like oh my God they're not competitive they blew like Utah twenty I guess twenty twenty one those yeah. type of games where yeah. it's just like everything goes wrong. But this is a home game with the environment behind them. I don't I don't think Odson's going to let that happen. So to me it's Shador and and to Matt's point you got to get to him you got to pressure him um, you got to challenge him and then and kind of the thing I'm looking at here is is the turnover battle. These are teams that are these are the top two teams in the Pac-12 in turnover margin and kind of for different reasons because Oregon has. Uh, forced six, I believe, and has not given up one. And Colorado has forced 10 and given up four. So to me, it's kind of where the rubber meets the road is if Colorado, aside from Shadora key for them has to be, let's go force some turnovers. And and Oregon has proven to be very, very good at avoiding that. Bo has been, aside from one pass against Texas Tech, that was initially, I think, rolled an interception and then reversed. He hasn't really put the ball up for grabs at all. And again, that speaks to, and you remember that play where he threw it up for grabs, there was a little bit of a little bit of internal pressure. He had to get out of the pocket and start moving. If, if Colorado can make him do that, kind of kind of the inverse of what Matt was talking about a moment ago with Shador, maybe that's where Bo tries to do too much and makes a mistake or two. But if you're Oregon, if you protect the football and if you force some turnovers, which Oregon's been pretty good at so far, last couple of games that to me is potentially the difference maker. But if it's a, if Colorado wins a turnover battle, this game not only becomes a shootout, but it becomes probably kind of tough to win almost.
3: Yeah, the, the fewer opportunities you provide Shador, the, the better. And Colorado State could tell you that firsthand. They had a couple of, you know, dumb penalties that kept drives going, which I know isn't a turnover, but it just keeps a drive going. And then they had four turnovers against Colorado, like, and that directly gives Shador the ball. Um, those extra plays those extra possessions gave colorado the lead ultimately uh and for oregon you have to keep him on the sideline for as long as you can and you know maybe that includes just running the ball for a whole entire series just kind of like the the byu package where you run four to six time in a row and then you stay in that same package you throw you hit for 15 yards you just keep the defense on their heels maybe it doesn't but Uh, Oregon's offense, they need to capitalize every single time they go down the field because as we've talked about on this podcast, Colorado's defense has really struggled this season and without Travis Hunter, who's one of the best players in America and is going to be an absolute transcendent talent as soon as he's healthy and probably next season when he's draft eligible, but until he comes back, that's going to be a secondary that even Dion says is going to be cornerback by committee. Um, when you're going against a team that's been averaging over 50 points a game, and I know the, the Portland State game really helps, but they'd still be over 40 if they scored a normal or a reasonable amount. That's not a great thing to have when you're a quarterback by committee. Um, going against Bo Nicks, going against Troy Franklin, Tess Johnson, all these guys. So Oregon's offense absolutely needs to crush it when they're out there on the field. And the pass defense for Oregon, I think, is another huge concern. Shador has lit up defenses he's been unbelievable this season and if you watch the colorado state game he came in clutch he came through in almost every scenario and he made some absolute darts he threw some absolute howitzers out there so if you're oregon secondary i kind of expect them to play very similar to hawaii maybe a little press man coverage here to there but you're not beating us deep yep and we're going to keep everything in front of us we're going to try to make you run the ball as often as you can. If you want to hit a six to seven yard gain and just go all the way down to the red zone. Sure, it gets tighter down there, tighter windows to make throws, harder throws. That's fine by us. Um, I, I think my my one worry um, for Oregon's defense is honestly their, their um, outside run, run protection. Like Hawaii got around the corner a lot. Um, Texas tech got around the corner a lot. Even Orleans state got around the corner. Like they're just not able to set edges. And if Dylan Edwards, if he, if he gets an edge and is able to plant a foot and look go, out. Yeah. Like there could be an absolute breakout game from Edwards. If he can get around the corner once or twice, because there are a few people in the nation who are going to be able to stop him. And maybe it's Roderick pleasant who stops him. Cause he's also really damn fast, but he's not going to be playing. Um, So that's something I worry about on Oregon's defense. But I kind of expect them to play how they did against Hawaii. Like, if you want to try to be as deep, try it. We're going to have a deep safety on both sides of the field, and we're going to have man coverage. So good luck. Hopefully it's the best throw of all time. But if you want to hit six or seven-yard flats, unders, out routes, be our guest. It
2: could be a big game for Brian Addison, that tall frame back in the secondary. Yeah. Could be. All right, let's take let's take a quick break, we'll come back and we'll dive into some of our game predictions, our bold predictions first and then our wrap it up with score picks.
1: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com audio. Visit iXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Uh, bold prediction time. Update of the leaderboard. Uh, nothing has changed jared is still in first place with a 5 and uh 5 and 7 record uh he went 1 and 3 last week all of us went 1 1 and 3 by the way on the board uh, eric, is, eric is on the board uh he is 1 for 11 or yep. 1 1 and 11 uh, i'm 4 and 8 uh and then game predictions um also through two weeks we um we didn't have uh i should say three weeks sorry we didn't have a, a spread for the first game against Portland State. Technically there was one, but we didn't. I'm not counting it. It's offshore banks and whatnot. Uh we're all three, three, and oh, straight up. Uh Eric and mm-hmm. I are tied first against the spread at two and oh, and then Jared uh went one and one. Uh he he missed, he had Hawaii just covering last week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go to offensive team predictions here. Um I've got it where Colorado is statistically speaking one of the worst defenses in the country in major major categories. Oregon's offensively one of the best offenses in a lot of these categories. Uh, I think Oregon has a bunch of talent. Um, In this game, I'm saying one Oregon player goes over 100 yards receiving, and then two others hit 65 yards or more receiving uh, in this game. That has happened once in the last 15-ish games, 16-ish games. It came – at Washington State last year when uh, Oregon had a player go over 100 and then two others hit 65 or more. And that happened to be Bo Nix's career high at Oregon with 428 passing yards. Um, I don't know if Bo's going to hit his career high, but I do think we get one duck over 100 yards receiving and two more in that 65-yard range.
0: I've got a fun one, I think. Um, Do you know know the last game and a non-receiver had a – Receiving touchdown for Oregon? Are you counting non-receiver? Tight ends? Yeah, I'm, I'm counting tight ends, running backs, anything besides a receiver. Uh, is it Ferguson? Yeah, it oh, no. Ferg? It would well, no, it's not. Do you know which? But do you know which game? Do you know how long it's been?
2: Cal Herbert on the long touchdown catch.
0: It's actually Colorado last year when Knicks, Connerly, and Madova all caught touchdowns. Huh. Wild. Eight games since Oregon has a had a nine receiver score touchdown um, on a reception. I thought that was interesting. So I'm going to predict the streak ends. It's bookended by Colorado games here. So the last time it, what happened was in Boulder, and then it happens this weekend. So that could be a running back. It could be a tight end. As I mentioned, it could be your left tackle again. Maybe just finally <laughs> they, they do that Play again. Okay. Feope, yeah, maybe it's a Feope eligible. Um, maybe it's Bo Nix on a pass from Bucky again. I would be stunned if these are the outcomes. But I, I'm more banking on the fact that um, Oregon's running backs and tight ends are going to be involved in the pass game. The running backs already have been pretty involved. Yeah. Bucky, Bucky's mm-hmm. actually, I think, second behind Troy in receptions. Um, I could see them just being one where they break it and, and get in. So I, I thought that was kind of an interesting angle to hit. So, yeah, I, I think a non-receiver is going to catch a touchdown pass.
3: Uh, I went kind of lame, kind of lame, but I think Oregon's gonna put up the most yards against Colorado of the season. Um, TCU yeah. did it in the first week. That's still the number one. They had 541 yards. So all Oregon needs to do is put up 542 yards. Um, I think the lowest total yards Oregon has had this season is 476 against Texas Tech. So yeah,
2: that seems another- pretty. Yeah.
3: Another 70 yards against Colorado's defense, which again, for Colorado fans who are listening, I hope you realize that the defense isn't great. Um, I think Colorado State probably proved that. I, I think Oregon is a better team than Colorado State. I think that, you know, just in my humble opinion. And I think that they're going to have the opportunity to not not run up the score or anything like that, but but gain yards. I think that they can they can have these flats, they can have these mesh routes, they can do Um, they can run on the ground. I think Oregon's offensive line should set some good blocks here against Colorado. I think that there's just opportunities to gain yards and 542 yards is not it's certainly not
2: unheard of from Oregon's offense. So that's my prediction. Uh, Offensive individual Um, Patrick Herbert's playing a lot of football Mm -hmm. through three weeks for the the Ducks. Uh, He's Already at half the number of snaps he played all of last season, he played in all 13 games for Oregon. Um, I think this is going to be a game where we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets for Oregon because, A, it allows them to split Ferg out into the slot when they want to throw the football, and, B, they can slow it down and be really aggressive with you know their run game and having two tight ends out there. Herbert's been a really good player uh, on both – run and pass plays for Oregon this season. And so I think he's going to be on the field quite a bit, which opens up the opportunity uh, for him to make some plays. So I think he's going to get three or more catches and 25 or more yards in this football game, which could go into Eric's point of a guy scoring a touchdown. That's a non-receiver. You're not going to, you're not going to predict a touchdown. I'm not, I'm just saying three or more catches and 25 yards. That's a pretty low bar. Um Okay. Well, his uh, his his career high is thirty one. So, like thir- yeah, like thirty. Well, or he, no he season high. Call- excuse me. Yeah. yeah, okay. Season
0: high. Season high is like thirty five. Like, well, then why don't you pick a season high? I'm just trying to make sure for if we're, we're going to be competitive with these predictions. Okay. I don't. I don't all want right. another uh, Bo Nix complete sixty five percent of his passes again, which he's done in all but one game in his career at Oregon. Uh, that. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna push back. So make it. Make it whatever okay. his season high is. Do that. I am. All right. Well. I mean, I'm, I get made fun of for being one and eleven, and 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 Matt picked, <laughs> Matt, Matt predicted sixty five percent completion percentage. No, I said
2: sixty eight. I said sixty eight and a half.
0: It was sixty five, I think. But if it wasn't, it was uh, it was it was something he'd done almost every game in his career. His career high, his career percentage at Oregon is seventy four. Um, sorry, I'm getting defensive, guys, because I don't like being <laughs> one and eleven. But it's fun, and this is supposed to be entertaining. Because what else are we <laughs> supposed to do with our sad, pathetic lives? This is this is the way it goes, man all right individual offense try to pick this back up again here after i made it really sad for a second um i think bucky shows up in the biggest moments i think we've seen that throughout his time at oregon oh, man i've stayed away from a bucky irving prediction uh since last year when he just kept not doing the thing i said he would do so i'm gonna change uh i'm gonna change course this year it's a new year i'm turning over a leaf jared's already had some success with a bucky prediction um, I was looking at his career high rushing stats from an individual game perspective. 149 yards against North Carolina last year. I think he does. I think he does a little more than that. I'm going 150 or more. I'm setting the bar high. Um, career in his career so far, he's been over 140 twice against North Carolina. Where he had 149, and against Washington, when he had 142. Again, two big games, two very competitive games, when the team has needed to utilize him, they have. So I'm going, he has a, a couple of big runs. He gets over 150 um, and sets a new high watermark. Uh,
3: I I wish you left that leaf not turned. Um, hmm. I wish you would have just let me pick Bucky and kept my good good vibes with Irving so far this year. Instead, I'll go with Tez Johnson. Uh, Eric, let me know if this one is, uh, is good enough for you. Mm-hmm. I got over <laughs> 95 yards and a yeah. touchdown or more. Yeah, on the, on the game. Acceptable. Uh, yeah. I just think, you know, Tez has been, he was obviously tremendous against Hawaii. And I think that's just how Oregon is going to use him. I think his numbers would look even better this year if Knicks had connected on a couple deep balls, which is something that that they're working on in practice so far this week. And I think that yeah. there's going to be opportunities for Tez to break free. I think there's going to be opportunities to, for Troy and Gary Bryan. I thought about doing a Gary Bryant thing because he's kind of been like, the unsung guy of this yeah. receiver room, but he's been really consistent every single week. I thought about doing a prediction for him, but uh, I think Tez is just in for a good game. Uh, I think he's yeah. such an interesting wide receiver; he's very difficult to game plan against. Uh, they're going to pay a lot of attention to Troy because obviously he's the number one, but uh, Tez and Gary, like those guys, are solid twos or threes or however we want to put them. I just think Tez is going to have the better day at the office.
2: Uh, just real quick, just so you know, Eric. Mm. Herberts only had two games in his entire career. He's had more than two catches, or he's had two or more catches in a game. Okay. So I'm already saying he's gonna. I just wanted the yardage.
0: I wanted the yardage a little bit more. What's the what what okay. what's your what's the yardage which is high on the, in this season?
2: This okay. season is 34 yards. So three his for 30. career high is 46. Three for so I'm 35. I'm calling a. i am calling think three for 35 receptions.
0: Five. I think three for 35 is is good. I think I'll okay. accept it. Or you can do you just want to do three receptions and just take the yards out. No, that makes it easier. Okay. All right. I'm just – I'm trying not to be too difficult here because I feel bad (laughs) like I'm being – I'm poking. But I just – I want to make sure we're all making bold predictions, not just predictions here. And I'm not
2: getting ridiculed because I'm the one making the boldest (laughs) ones and missing. All right. Uh, Defensive uh, team predictions now. Um, shooter Sanders week one caught the nation by storm. 510 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, I think he completed like eighty percent of his passes. It was just absolutely bonkers, crazy good, um, and then backed it up with three ninety three against Nebraska, and then last week against Colorado State, the trend continued. And I say this as an air quote trend of downward, you know, downward trend. He threw for three forty eight. Um, I think every quarterback in the country like, wow, I, my my worst game is three forty eight. Uh, So I'm not trying to say like he's struggling. I'm I'm not saying that. But I do think uh, the number continues to go down. And so I've got him throwing for his fewest yards this season to date. Um, The number is 347 or less uh, in this game. Oh, uh, it's it's funny because we're like basically playing,
0: uh, Price's Right here. Because I I, <laughs> yeah. I I I was predicting he was gonna join a very small company who's thrown for three fifty or more against Oregon. <laughs> so I guess we're just like directly. It's gonna be us at the very end looking at the box score. Um, yeah. So I, that's my prediction. So far, so far since Dan Landing's been here, Stetson Bennett, Cam Ward, and Michael Penix have all thrown for, for three hundred and fifty or more yards. I I think. Shador becomes the the most recent and and makes it four. And to Matt's point, he's averaging 417 yards per game, so <laughs> that's that's a lot. And uh, I don't think he gets maybe he gets there, but I I would imagine it's going to be more than 350, but not not to his average. I
3: had um I had the same one as Matt. Um, I thought that oh was... I'm sorry like kind no. of not not a, not a, a shoeing <laughs> you you look at Shador's game log and he, he so in the first game against Nebraska or excuse me against Texas Christian he had 38 completions for four, 47 attempts for 510 yards he had 38 completions for uh, 38 completions on 47 attempts for 348 yards against Colorado State so what have, what have people learned they they've, they've learned that mm-hmm. you need to stop letting him throw the deep ball yeah you know his his average goes from way over 10 yards of ca- a completion against tcu to I think it was 9.15 you can check me on my math i was doing long division when eric was complaining it was a, okay. a, a, a <laughs> 9, 9.15 or 9.51 and 9.57 i can't tell what i wrote here seven so that's why i had matt's matt's idea the, the oregon was going to drop into this these deep coverages and just not let them throw deep um instead i have to, I have to figure it out now I think Oregon's going to force some turnovers. I got them three or more. I think at least one of them is going to be an interception. Um, and not that Shador is bad or anything like that, but stuff happens. This was this was going to be my bonus bet of the week that Oregon has their first turn- turnover this game. That's my bonus bet. So everybody, Ooh. go go bet on that on the and uh, DraftKings sportsbook or Caesar sportsbook. I've got three or more turnovers. I think that there's going to be some fumbles here, mostly because. I am not 100% convinced that Colorado's offensive line can stop Oregon's defensive line, especially the interior. And this is a game for somebody in the interior, Popo, Keon, Taki, Casey Rogers, somebody like that, to keep Brandon Dorlos, if he's lined up on the interior, really get to the pocket. Maybe there's a forced turnover a la Jamal Hill on a blitz, something, something like that. So I got three or more turnovers.
2: I don't... No, if this is good. I just found this stat. I'm just going to give it to you guys right now. Um, I literally just saw it on Twitter. Uh, Yards allowed before contact defensively. Uh, Oregon has, according to Parker Fleming, he looks like a a respectable person on Twitter. A lot of of people follow him that are college football reporters. He's got 28,000 followers. In today's day and age, that could be all bots. We don't know. But... He looks like to be someone that's respectable. Uh, he pulled this stat up. Oregon is the third worst team in the country in yards allowed before contact at 3.62. Colorado is better at 2.91. Hmm. Um, I just saw that and wanted to, to share it real quick. Um, my, my individual prediction, I don't really know. Is this cheating? Because if, if it is, tell me. I'm not naming a specific player i'm just saying someone is gonna get one and a half or more sacks in this football game
3: you gotta put a name to it
2: i think we got a name yeah we name gotta, all we, right doorless,
3: doorless. Mm-hmm. okay
2: yeah I, I i felt like it was cheating um i know jared like i think a couple of weeks ago picked like i'm gonna give these guys or you know this position group these guys are gonna do something uh or maybe that's eric i can't remember was me Maybe it's cheating. I don't know, but I'll I'll go I'll go bold just for Eric's sake. Thank you. I'll, name, I'll, I'll attach a name to it and say it's doorless. Um One and a half or more sacks in this football game. Um, that's where I got. This is where I got the stat of clean pocket uh, um, pressure for Shredor Sanders. I think this is going to be. It's the easiest one that you could clip, but it, it's the biggest focus for this defense is get the Shredor Sanders, get the Shredor Sanders, and we've seen doorless make big plays already this season. He got the tackle on uh, Tyler Shuck on fourth down. He got the quarterback pressure on that throw that Jeffrey Bossa intercepted. I'm pretty sure he was pretty close to another uh, pressure that resulted in interception this season for Oregon, I think against Hawaii. Um, he has been all over the place. I think he's going to finally finish some of these plays and get some, get multiple sacks in a game. Uh, and so I'm going Brandon Dorless, one and a half sacks or more in this game against Colorado. Unfortunately,
0: by forcing you to pick somebody, you've picked the person that I was going to pick to do the thing that I was going to pick them to do. Uh, <laughs> love how that worked out. Um, and I was hey, going to. You could
2: give me my original pick.
0: No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you can have that. I, I mean, really, Really, my thesis statement here was internal pressure is is yeah. where is where Colorado's had more problems than not and when i you know Dorliss does line up line up outside primarily i think on the high percentage of you know majority of his snaps but we i go back to that texas tech game and where he had success from it was from rushing in you know over the guard and and, and making hay upfield and that led to the jeffrey bossa turnover so uh, that was my logic there how about this i'm just going to go popo amavai three straight games with a sack oh sorry jerry yeah. Look at this. Yeah. It's a, this, is kind of, this has been a game of dominoes. Like Matt pushes his down. I change mine. I have to change mine into Jared's. But um, I don't have this in front of me. I'd be curious. I'm, I'm gonna, I might, I'll might. i fact check this after um, I'm done with this. But I would be, I would wonder the last time, and maybe Jared's looked it up since it was his pick, the last time an Oregon defender had sacks in three consecutive games. Um, I imagine it's not been super recent. But uh, anyway, that's where I land. I'll go with Popo for a sec.
3: Yeah, I had Popo at two sacks. Um, hmm. he's, been, he's been really good. Excuse me as this garbage truck goes by my house. He's been really damn good so far this season. Um, I think it's exactly what Oregon and Dan were anticipating once getting him back uh, now that he's fully healthy. So I have to change my pick again. Um, third time, actually. Goodness gracious. Three well, of my know, four picks have all been yeah, changed.
0: Can, can I make uh, a suggestion going forward? If, if Jared – we should change the order of announcing our yes. predictions. If Jared is going to go last, he's going to have his picks taken more likely than the others and so why don't we why don't we plan on doing it a snake draft style almost going forward.
3: Sounds mm. good. We can do that.
2: I can change uh, my guy have... guy too. I can give you doorless I no. can go to Mateo. I I feel fine no, going you, to Mateo. Had, I had Popo
3: originally, so it wasn't you who All picked right. my guy. I yeah. picked this guy. After you picked exactly. my guy. Well, only so many guys to go around. Uh, yeah. I'm going to get out of the defensive line. I'm going to go get with out there. Um, Jamal Hill. Uh, he's been steadily pretty good this season. Uh, yeah. He's been starting basically every game in linebacker except for Portland State where Bryce Betcher started. Um, I have him at over five and a half tackles and over a half tackle for loss. Uh, I think he gets in there at one point, uh, gets his hand on a running back, maybe a quarterback, forces a tackle for loss. Uh, I just think that he will be, you know, it's kind of like how I predicted Kyrie Jackson last week in Hawaii. Like there's just, he's just going to be around the ball. There's just going to be plays in front of him or plays around him. And he's just going to be there. So over five and a half tackles. So Jamal just, just going to be six and one. That's all I ask for
2: doable. Yeah. Doable. Very doable. All right. Game predictions here. Um, I've gone back and forth. Mm. Uh, on if Oregon covers or if Colorado doesn't cover, or does cover, or if the Ducks backdoor cover. Uh, and that's where I landed. A backdoor cover by Oregon. Uh, I'm gonna call it semi backdoor cover. Uh, I, I just think Oregon has as good, if not better talent at basically every position uh, than Colorado. They have the better depth. Um, I, I, I think in games like this, in, in an environment like this, Team chemistry does factor in, and this is a team at Oregon. While they do have a ton of transfers, they don't have a lot. They don't have nearly as many as Colorado. And I think, yes, that game was at TCU week one. That was a sold-out venue. But TCU's atmosphere on game day is not Austin Stadium. It doesn't come close. We've talked about the fact that we think this could be the the most attended – a game at Austin Stadium history. I think that's going to factor in. This crowd's going to be amped up. It's going to be juiced. Um, I just I think Oregon's going to make the plays. I think they're going to they're going to flex their depth. They're going to flex their talent at certain positions. Um, Colorado's defense just won't be able to hang uh, with Oregon, and it'll get to a point where just every single time Colorado has to come out and score a touchdown, that's really hard to do. On a consistent basis not make a single mistake don't turn the ball over and score every, you know score seven points every time field goals aren't going to help you in this game i think it feels like both ways um so i have oregon covering i think in the fourth quarter we're gonna we're gonna see the middle eight show up here oregon i think it's gonna dominate in that factor or you know we're gonna see a couple drives where they just chew up a bunch of time they score touchdowns they get a stop and they go down again and do it again um, give me Oregon forty nine twenty four. Um Both Bo Nix and Jadur Sanders have big games, but it's just going to be, you know, the depth that shows up for Oregon and they kind of wear Colorado down in that fourth quarter.
0: As I am prone to do, I am making my prediction around a stat or some historical stuff here. Um, first off, average margin in Oregon's eight wins over Colorado since Colorado joined the conference. Do you guys, have you guys, oh, good Lord. That is? do you know what the, uh, make a guess 35 36.9. Wow, hmm. the closest game though, and this is where my prediction is is formed around
3: 2016
0: it was uh 20. Well, the Colorado won that game, but the closest Oregon win is what I was getting. Ah. Colorado has won the one time. It's really interesting actually if you look at the series history because. Uh, Colorado's won 27 games in the Pac 12 since joining in 2011. Eight of them happened in 2016, which also happened to be the year Oregon won two games, which is the lowest they had won in uh, at that point about 20 years uh, since 93. Uh, This is about the closest these teams have been, though, I think, like both being like relatively good. Like both, certainly the first time in a long time since they've both been ranked. I think we talked about that earlier. That was the Fiesta Bowl in 2002. But the most the closest Oregon win came the year before that in 2015 in Boulder when Oregon won 41 to 24. So my prediction is that this game is one point closer than that. So it's the closest Oregon win amongst the currently eight wins in the series since Colorado joined the conference. And I am predicting 44 to 28. I think this game is going to have major shades of UCLA last year, maybe a little of that BYU last year. To jared's point earlier about making a statement i think that's what this game is going to be even if it's not a cover um, because you think about both those games the margin was very similar i think the ucla game was 45 30 and, and i'm i can't remember exactly what the byu score was but it was close it was it ended up being about two score a game but oregon mm-hmm. dominated from start to finish so i think that's going to be how this plays out i think this is going to be a statement game i think oregon's going to be really really impressed with the depth of their talent is going to show up and i think oregon will control this one from the start but ultimately it will only be a 16 point win so they'll miss the cover
3: i've got oregon 42 colorado 24. so we're all in the same kind of ballpark here um i also i don't have oregon covering uh, 18 points is a differential not the 21 i just checked on caesars it's still 21 the over under is still 69 and a half nice uh, and it's not going to get there for the over um and I, I don't want this to be like, oh, you know, Oregon didn't cover the spread. It's a bad game. No, I, I, I think an 18-point win anybody would take. Sure. Um, I just – I've had a tough time with this one this week because, well, I, I agree with what Matt said where, you know, Oregon is clearly the better team on paper, they're a better team talent-wise, you know, recruiting, all that stuff. It's a second year for Dan. It's a second year under Tosh. There's more players, continuity. Colorado's just yeah you know, I don't know they're they're frisky they're yeah. frisky it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if, if if we're up in the press box and then that uh, this is forty two to thirty eight and heading yeah. into the fourth quarter because uh, you know we have talked this week about what will the secondary look like um, I talked about it on this podcast today I am still not a hundred percent sure what it'll look like because Shador will be the best quarterback Oregon has played to date. And he might be the second or third best quarterback this year that Oregon plays. It just depends on how you feel about Michael Penix. But Caleb Williams will obviously be the number one. Um, He probably, Shador's probably the third best. I like Penix more. But when you're talking about guys who are probably going to be day one draft picks, they're going to face three of them. And Shador is the first round test. And... I just I have some kind of blind confidence in Oregon's secondary just because of what I really liked about them against Hawaii last week and their man coverage and their communication in the back end and being able to cover some some talented receivers. Colorado's receivers are better. Their quarterback is better. They run mm-hmm. a different offense. Yes. But yes, yes, similar some similar characteristics. I just there's a part of me that thinks Oregon's going to score. I don't I don't have any doubt in that. But I also think that Colorado, if they get humming early, they can score. And they can score with the best of them, as evidenced against that Texas Christian game. Like, it could be a barn burner heading into the fourth quarter. Like, something like 54-51 to 51 or something like that. So, right now, I got 42-24 to 24 Oregon. Wouldn't be surprised if this one is absolute mayhem. Pac-12 after dark in the middle of the
2: day. Yeah, I to your you guys's point, like I I I'm the only one that has Oregon covering, but I think it's gonna be a some kind of a backdoor fourth quarter cover. I I have in my game predictions. I've already got mine loaded into the system. And you can't read it right now, but it'll go up later tomorrow. Uh, but I have in that description saying Oregon's gonna trail in this game. You know, I I have full confidence that happening, um, and it's it's going to take like a middle eight where Oregon scores at the end of the second quarter or very you know very close to halftime and colorado just did not have enough time to drive down the field and score and then they get the ball again in the the, the start the half and they score another touchdown and all of a sudden a tie game or a three-point game explodes to a 10 or a 17 point lead and then colorado's just having to play catch up in that second half and it's always you know one score back to two one score back to two and then oregon eventually scores that one. But I a am in agreement. Like I I think if Colorado gets going early and Oregon's defense gives up a a broken play for a 45-yard touchdown pass off a of, off of a Sanders scramble, you know, to Jimmy Horn who cuts across the field, uh and then Oregon goes and even if they don't go three and out, but they don't score. You know, they don't respond with a score and Colorado goes down again and scores. It, it could be a game where this is 59, 56 going into, you know, the last possession of the of the of the game. You know, it, it could be one of those ones too where literally no defense is played because of how good both offenses are. I just think I, I, I think the home factor, I think the depth is gonna be the you know something that that just makes a mistake for Colorado. I,
0: I did have a bonus prediction that would explain my weird score for Oregon. I think Oregon is going to go for two on one of its first or second touchdowns and will not get it. Ooh. That's, That's how a good one. I like that. That's how I get to forty-four. Dan Dan has brought up the fact that they like being aggressive there because it forces the opponent to chase points. I think this time maybe it backfires. And to Matt's point, maybe they're trailing seven-six early or 14-13 early because of it or something. So right. Um, but yeah, I wrote that down. I forgot to mention it when I was making my score predictions. I think they're going to. I think they'll, they'll do one of those. Uh, those, those two point conversion plays. I don't know if Patrick Herbert will be throwing it this time, but um, I think it's not going to work this time, and it'll it'll cause the crowd to groan, and people on social media will will criticize Dan and
3: all sorts of fun stuff. Can't wait! Can't wait! Uh, last minute prediction for everybody here on the podcast. Yes, okay. we talked about celebrities coming in the game. Yeah, name the biggest celebrity that jo- that comes to Eugene, Oregon, other than <sighs> Phil Knight and Deion Sanders, because oh, those guys are both going to be here.
0: Did you have one to start, Jared? Oh, buddy, do I? But you're confident we won't take it because you're. I was, was going to give you the opportunity to go first. Since not, always go last.
3: I'm not overly confident, but I, I'll just take. I'll take the reins here. Um, LeBron James is
0: going to be in Eugene, Oregon this weekend. Yeah. That was actually what I was going to say. So I'm happy you went first. I think. Um,
2: go, go ahead. Go ahead, Jared. Eric, go ahead, Eric. I was
0: I was I was was gonna say I think it's gonna be LeBron with his with his boys, and they're gonna be there, and it's gonna be a thing. And to the point earlier about which sideline is he on, well, when Oregon played USC, there was the reason that he, Dwayne Wade, and all those guys were there was the Nike connection. I think I don't think he's on a sideline like the whole game necessarily. I don't know where he's gonna be but I don't think he's going to be like posting up on the Colorado side because I think that's going to look bad for the Nike. I don't think Bill's yes. going to be yes. happy with with one of his premier guys. Is, being that's why I side. brought it up
3: earlier. Yeah. Like the Nike connection is going to be stronger than the Colorado connection. But Eric, make, you, get, you don't have another guy? You don't have another one? Um,
0: well... <laughs> The one name I wanted to bring up that's, that's just a lame name. That's not even a big enough celebrity. I won't even. I'll, I'll tell you afterwards because it's just a Colorado player that plays for the Blazers that, that I guarantee will be there. That's. That, I guess it's just Jabari Walker. Um, but from like an actual big, big name one. Um, I'm trying to think of someone with some Florida State connection that might might be there. Oh, you know, you know, it'd be really funny is if Willie Taggart was there. <laughs> I'm
2: pretty sure he's coaching. Oh, he knows.
3: He knows the area. Yeah, he's um he's, he's the he's, running he's, back coach for like the Dolphins or something. Yeah, he's like he's that. somewhere no, in the NFL,
0: uh, somewhere in the NFL. He, yeah, the okay.
3: Ravens with Harbaugh.
0: I think you're
2: right. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, obviously Neil Everett's going to be here. Dion, uh, not Dion, yes, Dion will be here. Phil Knight will be here. Um, who's the guy that's from uh? That ABC TV show, it's like they're like a family. Phil, Ty, Phil Tyree,
3: Ty Ty yes. yeah. He yes.
2: I, I bet you he'll be here, but he, I'm not going to count him. Um, oh, I have got a sneaky one. I, I kind of mm-hmm. think, I kind of think Lillard's going to be here. Um, I think there's going to be a batch of Blazer guys that that will be here at this game. Um, but from a pure like big name I'm going to I don't know. I I feel like the Blazer one's like really cheap. Um Ah, man, this really this really gets me. Um shoot. I'll just I'll just go Damian Lillard. I feel like that's fair. That's the that's a lot A big, big name. I wanted to, I wanted to play
0: seven degrees of Kevin the separation from Kevin Bacon. How about how about this? So Caitlin Olson is a University of Oregon graduate who is yep. starred on Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, with her husband Rob McElhenney, who owns uh, Wrexham United, which is a foo- or Wrexham FC, which is a football team, with Ryan Reynolds. So maybe those crew come and watch the football game to support Caitlin's college. That would be my really out there. Like I said, seven degrees incredible. separation, a lot of weird moving parts, not confident at all in any of that, but just uh just a shout out to an Oregon alum. Who's who knows some famous people. What
2: about, what about Dan Fouts and a shot? Two guys that kind of sure. Why not? You know, Oregon connections. Um, the one here. They went here. They certainly went here. They're, they're football guys. They're big names. Um, I, I was trying to go golf, but a lot of the big, big name golf people are going to be over in Europe now for the, um, for the Ryder cup. Cause I was thinking some kind of like Nike connection with golf. Um, I don't think Tiger Woods lives in Florida. He's not, he's not coming across the country with yeah, his injuries. Tiger, yeah. to, I mean, Michael,
0: Michael, Michael Irvin will probably be here. There'll be, I mean, if we wanted to go on the mm-hmm. Dion side of things, there's a lot of Dion connections. Um,
2: yeah. So, but there's some names. Where, where, where are we going to see these people? Are they going to be in the stadium on no. the? Are they going to be on the sideline, or are they going to be like in a booth and then we see them on TV because they're like uh, pan around? Oh, look! Both, both. Yeah, it's not a lot of room when they work in sideline. I think a lot of these are booth people.
3: I'll be honest.
0: I don't. I, I think well, people want to be I'm, in booths. I
3: think they'll be sideline pregame. No, not yes. during the game. Correct. I don't, I don't think I anybody's just, allowed to do that. Yeah, not not really. You can't
0: I think yeah, anyway.
2: What about uh um who's the, the country old dude? Country old dude? Willie Nelson? that's a, that's a no, good he, one. He, he no. good like he he like he's an actor. He plays like all the country western oh. No, you're talking um, about uh Sam Elliott from yes.
0: The Big Lebowski, who lives somewhere in Oregon.
2: Uh, he lives in Lebanon, like the Lebanon Salem area. Yeah. yeah, he might, he sure. might be one here. That's Why not? not quite, I, that's
0: not quite LeBron. Jokes. Random,
2: random
3: Oregon celebrities.
0: Yes. Well, he's actually hey, pretty, man. He's actually pretty, pretty. He's pretty famous yeah. from like the
2: '90s,
3: but yeah. Oh was, no, I not, yeah, no, hundred percent. But
2: yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. Next time you hear from us, it'll be post-game Saturday evening following Oregon, Colorado. Uh, hopefully, we all get treated to a, a fantastic game. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the tailgates before and after. And until then, we've been even listening to the Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks.
0: Peace.